Hello, my beautiful kings and queens. This is another A Seat at the Table podcast with your host, Lawrence Green. You can follow A Seat at the Table on this uh, podcast platform that you are listening on and many of your favorite uh, uh, podcasting platforms. Today, I have um, two special guests that are near and dear to my heart. Um, first guest I'm going to name is Tierra Harding. Show the people some love. Hey! <laughs> and uh, the second, my second guest is my dad, Pastor Colonel Hardy Green. Hello. <laughs> Let the people know where they can follow you guys, where they can find you, and um, a little bit about yourselves. Um, so, hey, everybody. My name is uh, Tierra Harden. I am on Facebook and Instagram. It's just my first and last name. Um, a little bit about me. I am a uh, VCU graduate. I am currently in my master's in social work program at Catholic University of America in D.C. Um, there's a lot of different things that I want to do with my degree. Uh, I would love to do international work. Um, I would love to work uh, with um, marginalized populations, black community. Uh, I would love to work with refugees um, and then a little bit of maybe um, human trafficking work. So there's a lot of things I want to do with my degree. Um, and that's what I love about social work. It's such a general and broad field that you can do a lot with it. Um, and I'm originally from the DMV, Northern Virginia. Um, so yeah, a little bit about me. Dad. Well, hello everyone. My name is Hardy Green. And I am Lawrence's dad, as he said, uh, 28 and a half year veteran um, in the Army, uh, now retired uh, from the military active duty after that 28 year stint. Uh, now do ministry full time. I pastor uh, and my wife co-pastor with the founders of True Light Ministry, True, T-R-U-E, Light, L-I-G-H-T Ministry. Uh, you can find us on Facebook under my first name, last name, Hardy Green. Uh, and you can find the church under True Light Ministry, as well as you can find us on our website, uh, which is true-light-ministry.startsites. That's S-T-A-R-T-S-I-T-E-S, startsites.org. Uh, we are on Instagram, but I have to find myself on Instagram. <laughs> I do follow a few people. A few people follow me. Um, I do have a Twitter account. Same thing. Uh, but you want to reach me probably. <laughs> you probably can reach me best uh, by phone. Uh, seven zero three seven. Yeah, don't, don't, don't get me. Don't, don't give. We, we are good. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Sir. Oh my God. We just social media handles. Thank you. Okay. Oh God. Praise the Lord. Okay. Let's get into this. Okay. It's different generation. Oh Jesus! I think they would have found it on the website. Okay, thank you. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious! Okay, so let's get into it. Um, I have such a, and I don't think it has anything to do with the current climate, but I think it has everything to do with the current climate, and um. I have a certain passion when it comes to the black church. Mm -hmm. And it is a passion that has um, both grown, died and rebirthed. Mm -hmm. And um, so this is my, my personal like, you know, background about it. So for me, I was raised in the black church. Um, I mean, it's not, I've never known it to be the black church. We just went to church. It just so happened that everybody there was black particularly the denomination was the uh, Pentecostal denomination of Church of God in Christ known as Kojic. And in my household, we only listen to gospel music. So I only know songs from, you know, all the great gospel greats um, from the early 90s, maybe prior to and all the way up till now uh, of just gospel music and gospel music sound from the choirs to um, three-part harmonies to quartets to you know 
Kurt Franklin, you know, bringing the club in, you know, all, all of, you know, these different uh, aspects of gospel music. And then I think when I got to college, uh, and even when we left the um, Kojic denomination and we went to a non-denominational church, it was still a quote unquote black church and um, still picking up. And I think sometimes when we leave like non-denominational churches, they still when they come from these particular old backgrounds where they used to um, take part in, you still pick up some of those traits or those, you know, traditional things. And so, you know, it was still that type of culture. And so uh, when I got to. Um, college, I felt like um, my current leadership at the time really um, attacked and like gave a lot of anti uh, black church rhetoric in the sense of like, and some things carried some truth, but I think it uh, caused me to just eliminate the entire thing as a whole. Hearing things like, you know, uh, about shouting and shouting was just shucking and jabbing. Uh, gospel music is old slave music, you know, Negro spiritual shouting when the music is on, but then not shouting, but can't really truly praise and worship. And, you know, old traditional ways of, you know, uh, wearing certain things and the outfits and the culture and the different, just really bashing it. So I really just eliminated it all as, you know, this isn't God, where I came from wasn't God, God was not here. But mind you, this was the same culture that had trained me up to know God and what the not the little knowledge that I did know about him that really um calipulted um when God when I finally had my encounter with God. Mm-hmm. And so um even having friends that, you know, when I would li- you know, bring up my gospel music and want to play my gospel songs, they wanted to listen to Christian contemporary music. And I did not know anything about white Christian music until I got to college. I didn't know what a belter was. I didn't know what a hill song was. <laughs> and if you was able to tell me what a hill song was, I would have thought it was country music. Like I, just, I didn't know anything about it. And so it, it felt, I felt kind of down because it was just like, you know, gospel, all they want to do is ah! scream and holler all over the track. And I'm like, no, this is really good. And, you know, like people being like, you know, gospel music ain't got the gospel in it no more. And I just really just felt like, you know, like maybe all of this just ain't it. And then it wasn't until, you know, leaving that environment, really falling back in love with it. And I listened to this podcast by Truth's Table and they did a podcast called Black Churchisms. And they literally just went over everything uh, about black uh, black church culture and the black church and really helped me to fall back in love with the black church again, um, with our quotes, with our sayings, with our music, and really just showing how God can be glorified through this group, through this movement, through this organization. And how everything that I had learned or everything that I had picked up wasn't um, something that was negative or that it wasn't of God. But there but the yeah, and still there were some things, but some of it was can be used for God's glory. And so that's what I want this podcast to be about. Um, even Kanye West getting saved and his Sunday service album, really bringing back that gospel sound. So uh, I want to ask you guys, you know, what has your experience with the black church has been? Um, I know for me, I, um, so growing up, I, well, I always tell people like whenever they ask me my testimony, I don't say that I grew up in church cause we were one of those people that like we went to church. We might go to church maybe like three Sundays out the month and then we might stop and then we'll like go on the holidays. Um, but the church that I was going to was in older, traditional, uh, quote unquote, black church. Um, of course, back then I didn't know that, but, um, looking back it is, um, and it was very, um, traditional and it was one of those like, uh, generational black churches. Like a lot of family generations were a part of that church. Like my grandmother either went to that church, my mom went to that church and then she brought us to that church. And then there's a lot of other families. Like there was like the Jackson family and like, um, the green family, um, the slaughter. So, but it was one of those, and it was, it's been around for, I think maybe over 150 years. So it's an older church. 
um, full of a lot of different families. And so, um, of course, going to that church, the just the dynamics of just the people there. There was a lot of older people, of course. There's a lot of people from my mom's generation. And then there was maybe just a sprinkle of us in my generation. Um, and because it was older and a little bit more traditional, I wasn't very connected. Um, of course, there was the, the typical... Um, like the shouting and the dancing and the the preaching. It was a typical black church, but I just wasn't connected to it. Um, And it wasn't until, of course, when I got to college that I I got saved. And I went went through a little bit of what you went through too, Lawrence, of just looking back at the black church and having some type of connection to it, but then also like hearing – you know, the hymns and the, the old black songs, like they weren't, I guess, um, anointed or they weren't, I guess, good or holy and they didn't have the gospel in it. Um, so, yeah, that's a little bit my uh, background with the black church. Yeah, so I'm going to come at it uh, both with experience and then try to connect uh, some of the things that Lawrence said uh, in my sharing this uh this morning. Uh, and so growing up, I grew up uh, Vernon Hill Baptist Church, which was a home family church. Um, and of course, our community was black and white, but again, the church was predominantly black. Uh, uh, we may have had a couple of whites that would come that were related uh, or just come to visit. Uh, and I say related through marriage or interracial marriages that, that took place. Uh, fast forward uh, in 1990, when I came back to Huntsville, Alabama, where I met Lawrence's mom, um, I had knew some friends from a gospel service in Germany where I rededicated my life in 1989 uh, and began to serve the Lord uh, but when I came back to Huntsville, that was the first time I was even introduced to Church of God in Christ. I didn't even know Church of God in Christ exists. You know, we experienced a lot of things. And so some of my correctness was overcorrected uh, in a sense. And I see that and liken that unto the church. If we're not careful, those that follow us, some of your correctness uh, may overcorrect if we don't learn from the lessons before us. And so I did not know, uh, I did not think that the teaching that I know now was being done at the church that I was at growing up. Why? Because I wasn't listening. I was there because grandmother made me go to church, but I really didn't sit down and listen. Until you sit down and listen and study, you have a different appreciation of the gospel. And now your teaching is based off of the teacher. And so if the teacher is leading you wrong or leading from his lens uh, and not the lens of God, then sometimes that could change the way we may perceive the church. Uh, And you guys use the term loosely black church. Yeah, we knew we were a black church, but I never really said it like that. You know, being in the military, you know, I had to work twice as hard to get to the rank that I got. You know, I'm proud to be a retired full bird colonel uh, from the Army. But I went through a lot of uh, pain to get to that, Uh, which sometimes when you went to church, you know, you felt good that you could be in your own family, own culture and and worship in that environment. But at the same time, it didn't always was fruitful for us. And we're learning that now we're learning that being in your own culture, only knowing about your culture is not always healthy. Uh, uh, And so. I'm looking to have a healthy church and a healthy church. I wanted to resemble what heaven's going to look like. And so some of my language, even in my own culture as an African-American man, and then as I come connected to other cultures may have to change or my vision may have to change. And so I wanted to kind of share all of that because I don't ever want us to, uh, to think that the, what we went through were good for us, bad or good. Uh, there were lesson learned, but we will repeat those things if we don't go back and learn the history of it, uh, the history of the black church. Why did they sing the music that they sing? Why did they do what they did? You know, the history of Church of God in Christ. Why were they so strict on us 
you know, with certain things. And I thank God for that strictness, even though now I'm non-denominational uh, because I've learned uh, that I'm trying to reach everybody. The, uh, and, and some things I think that we hold traditions to has been a hindrance to the church and to the next generation that's going to pick this up and run with it. And, and that causes a big gap between us. And so hopefully we can touch on some of those things. So I want to get into um, Black church history. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think a lot of times people, because we, we live in the now and we see how it was now, we fail to look at the history of how it even truly began. Like Black people, we didn't, it wasn't like a denominational disagreement of whether or not it was something in the word that we found. It was like, y'all have been set free from being slaves. Y'all can't come in our churches. So figure it out. And so um, uh, I think having that, that, that level of understanding about um, the current state or its birthing was due to the partiality, not that from the outside, from culture and from the from society that we allowed to creep into the church. How beautiful would it have been if this was started back in the 1900s or whatever century, you know, that black people were able to get their freedom in, and for the church to be the leaders in allowing um, black and white people to both worship together. You know, old slave masters and slaves being able to work together. But it's just like, I think we made up in our minds that, hey, we're going to serve and worship God anyhow, you know? And then I think, T, you had talked about how the black church had been such a pillar. Can you, you know, speak on that? Um, yeah. So um, I remember I actually did a, um, a project for school maybe a few classes ago, and uh, we did it on um, not specifically the black church, but the black church was a part of the prop, a part of the project. And um, just looking at just a little bit of the history of the black church and just seeing how it's been consistent through history, how um, black people um, as a whole have always like leaned on the black church, um, even through slavery and of course during the civil rights movement. Um, you had a lot of prominent uh, civil rights leaders um, and pastors and uh, religious leaders that would also, you know, teach in church, but also, you know, fight against, you know, the social injustice and, you know, the racial and like discriminate, all that stuff that was happening during the civil rights movement. And so the black church has always been such a strong pillar in the black community. Um, it's always been um, just this place that the black community can always lean on, um, that can always go to and just be surrounded by people that look like you. Um, and then also too, it's always been just a, just like in the book of Psalms where, you know, David, he's always talking about how, you know, God is his shelter, his refuge. Like that's always been the black church to the black community, a shelter, a refuge. Um, and always in times of trouble because black people in America have always been through We've been going through a lot for so long. And so turning to the black church has always been a shelter um, for us. That is so true. It's like just like the the place of expression. And I think that's heard through our music. Mm -hmm. It's through our praise. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's something that um, uh, that was brought up in the Blackism Truth Table podcast where they talked about how um, our sound is um, almost like a lament. Mm -hmm. And as we read in the in the Word of God, and that is also a song that glorifies God. There's a whole book in the Bible called Lamentations. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> where I mean, and then it don't even get to the good part, quote unquote, <laughs> until like the last chapter, and that's like half of the last chapter. <laughs> and so it's just like uh, sometimes you gotta get. Like when you've been beaten down so long, and then you come yeah. into the prison, you got to get all that off you. Yeah, like, yeah. Before you can allow, like, allow the hope that lies within to come out. Yeah, yeah. Dad, your thoughts? Yeah, I 
you know, as we continue to talk about uh, the black church, uh, you know, we leaned and depended on the Bible and the word of God. And the word of God was teaching the leaders because, again, uh, that's where most of our education was coming from. Uh, you know, we didn't have the schools. You know, we come from the slave field and, you know, go home or go where live in the barn or wherever they were living at. You know, and then when they did gather, really the only person was reading, if they had a Bible, uh, was the pastor. And he became that spiritual leader as well as the quote unquote educated one. You know, the church was our pillar. The church was our safe haven. The church was where we could go express ourselves when you talked about, but it ain't new. It ain't nothing new under the sun, you know. And so um, the black church uh, has always been a pillar for us. But at the same time, you know, the white brethren, they've been going to church too, but we've been going to two separate churches and we saw things from two different lenses. And, and therefore, now we are where we are with two different opinions. Uh, uh, even this movement that we're in now is only going to move us so far. And then it's going to be another movement. Your children, Lawrence, your children, Tiara, your children's children going to take this movement even to another another level. And the same thing. And it has an effect on the black church because the black church, some of us uh, older generation are still stuck in. But y'all don't understand what we went to to just get what we got. And we want to hold on to that, not knowing that you got something that we need to continue to strive for, for something even better, which changes what the black church and what the church, uh, black or white uh, or whatever ethnicity is going to look like in the future. Now, you talked about how the current movement and the changes that are happening currently now. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like... Um, not just so strictly talking about what's happening on the outside, but within the body of Christ, mm -hmm. right? Because I feel like that's why there is even an issue is because we've allowed what is taking place on the outside to override what God's word says. And here we are where we are. Mm -hmm. And so um, I want to talk about the, the, the criticism and the double standard that I think the church um particularly the, the black church is receiving when it comes to trying to, you know, uh, make it work when it comes to just us as a whole in general. Um, so I remember I brought up in, and what led to kind of like this podcast was the conversation that I had the, with, uh, uh, Philip Leverett. So make sure you check out that podcast, um, prior to this one in which I talked about, I had a conversation with um, some friends of mine and they were talking and they said, uh, one of them said something along the lines of, uh, you know, we were talking about like churches and how, you know, there's a lot of corruption and different things and how where we were, it was kind of like a quote unquote, a black church. You, you could kind of say that. And then where they were and they were finding some issues where they were in their particular church and uh, he says something along the lines of, well, this is something that is common among black churches. Mm -hmm. And it bothered me. And it bothered me because I feel like when we start to associate sexual sin, corruption, and poor business practices among strictly black people and black churches, we just simply reinforce the same stigma right of what's happening on the outside. The same thing about saying that black church music is less anointed than Christian contemporary music. When we see that the majority of artists that are singing gospel music is black and the majority of Christian contemporary music are Caucasian people. And so I think it's, it's this um, racist system, not racism is a, I hate you because you're black, but the ideology mm -hmm perceived notions that we have about certain things that we don't even know mm -hmm. creep in these uh i'm gonna call it doctrines of devil uh you know these ideologies right. that um creep in and creep in our minds that we that we allow unaware because i'm like if we talk about the catholic church exactly. which is predominantly white right. <laughs> it also has 
sexual sin issues. Exactly. But ain't nobody stopped going to mass. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And so, um, you know, what are you know, what are you guys' thoughts on just on that particular criticism? Yeah, I definitely. I mean, I agree, Lawrence, because like, I mean, just like the point you said too, like the Catholic Church, predominantly white, and you can see all throughout history just um, evidence of you know a priest and you know homosexual activity um, with younger Catholic boys, and so it's like, why is it that the stuff that does happen in black churches is highlighted more? than um the catholic church or anything else like who's like just because this is happening in the black church this it can be it can be happening in a predominantly white church and it is in the catholic church so why is it highlighted more in black churches and i feel like it just stems from just an agenda to always um portray this image of black people um and because it's happening it doesn't just happen in black churches it happens Everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. Yeah, and I and so, oh, go ahead, Dan. And I and I think too, it's when you take the eye off of me and shine it on somebody else, then you can't see my hidden sins, uh, mm-hmm. uh, my secret sins. And so, uh, yes, it's been happening in the Catholic Church. It's been happening in other uh, denominations, and. And it was being brought to light. What what bothers me is that, and I've heard this in my walk with the Lord, you know, for the past 30 years, uh, you know, the church need to be setting the standard for the world and not the other way around. The world setting the standard for the church. We said that with our mouth, but we allow it to flip. We allow uh, the world standard to come in the church. And so the church start to look like the world. Therefore, you're going to have the same thing. And But you got the argument of, okay, we want to look like our community that we live in. We want to look like, you know, those that are around us. But still we get up, we live in a community where, you know, directly across the street from me uh, is white, next to me, Hispanic, you know, uh, it's a multicultural neighborhood, but yet we all go on Sunday morning to a different place of, of worship. And, and then the, the, uh, you were talking about the music and the contemporary music. As I partner now with more of my uh, white brothers, uh, I'm doing uh, a study uh, with, uh, called Peace uh, Leader Training Session. Uh, and it's about uh, partnering, equipping, assisting, and caring, uh, and and the health of the church, uh, and even doing that, you know, I'm learning some things about the other races that I really did not understand, and now hopefully they'll learn some things about us that they did not understand, and so that piece, uh, I think, has really clouded a lot of this. You know, we, we want the church to do more, and I think the church should be doing more, but we are the church. <laughs> you know, we use that term loosely. What is church? You know, the people is the church, you know, and, and all of us need to be living on mission. We all need to be doing living out our purpose, but we, we coin it as to almost like it's a building, a facility, an organization that we run to, you know, when all the time it's us, even if we go to the building, it's just where we come together to assemble. But then we run back out and 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 do the works of the Lord. And so, uh, uh, it's 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 a uh, place now where we really got to relook at our purpose and relook at our mission uh, and redefine who we are if we're going to consider ourselves, you know, the church uh, of tomorrow. Yeah. And see, and I even like how, and you, even your your dialogue makes me even want to bring up this point just about language. And I feel like it's hard to have sometimes some conversations when it comes to discussing what's happening, like on the outside mm-hmm. and then among people who are not too makes putting anybody on a pedestal, but who are college educated and then church lingo and talk mm-hmm. or even when 
the high thinkers of those who are educated of like theology and those different things and like church talking church lingo mm-hmm. that sometimes things can get miscrossed and misconstrued by definition mm-hmm. by connotation mm-hmm. by um how you view a word or how a word may make you feel mm-hmm. and so i think um it makes it difficult sometimes to translate mm-hmm. um in between in between the, like the two groups and like just even trying to bring understanding because i could be like you know like even for an example for uh the title of my podcast i wanted to call it you know fruitful outrage and I'm having a conversation with my mom and I'm like, well, church people will get fruitful outrage, but someone who's not saved will be like, well, what the heck is fruitful outrage? Right. You know? So I had to change the word to productive because I feel like whether you saved or not saved, everybody understands what productive means. And if you don't, there's a dictionary. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think uh, speaking more about language and dialogue, I want to talk about the generational gap. Um about how old black church folks and millennial black church folks and even the rising generation Z, I don't even know what they doing uh, <laughs> just yet. I think we still <laughs> we, we're working on them, but um, of just like this, this, this. I think this. Uh, I feel like uh, as my dad had mentioned earlier about his his mother, my grandmother. Um, saying things, you know, you got to know that you know that you know. And Black church folks saying things like, you know, you'll understand things better. And so it's just like, and millennials are just like, what does that mean? I asked you, how do I know if I'm filled with the Holy Ghost? And you talk about something, you got to know that you know that you know. I'm like, no, no, how do I know that I And so and and and, I, and I'm laughing because it's just like uh, having the understanding of now 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 that I'm older and I've gone through some things, mm-hmm. I literally understand what they were talking about. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, sometimes the older saints, I'm not speaking for all of them, some of them really did not have the knowledge, right. the head knowledge, mm-hmm. or really couldn't theologically look up what the, the hermeneutics and all this different stuff and the Greek and the Hebrew, but yeah. they had their experience with God. They had their individual um, moments with God and they understood like the the experience and it was just like if i don't know right now i'm trusting and having faith in god that he will eventually he'll show me and if i don't see it now then i'm gonna see it in glory mm-hmm. but i think millennials we're in a place where you know google is readily available the internet is really we're in the place of information right mm-hmm. and so many things are coming and i can get the answer I don't have to wait till I know. <laughs> I can find out right now. <laughs> so we, and so, um, uh, uh, I want to hear you know you guys' thoughts on on the generation gap. <laughs> Let me can I make a quick comment here. For uh, when you talk about uh, I again going back to uh, the theology and the comment you just made, Lawrence. When I think about you know. Yes, they could exegete the scripture in some cases. In some cases, they couldn't uh, because they didn't have the learning. And then when we did go to the schools, and I think about uh, the little I do know about the history. Oh, I remember about the history uh, between C.H. Uh, Mason, Church of God in Christ. You know, yet he's going to this theologian school, the, the school of theology to study God and learn how to exegete the scriptures and write and divide the word truly, but yet the white man couldn't treat him like equal, mm-hmm. you know, and so withdrew himself. And so, yeah. uh, and, and so how can we, and, and that's the part, something mm-hmm. they just couldn't express or they didn't know how to express it in words, but their mm-hmm. life experience as they kept living they were able to say, you know what? I may not know how to quote that scripture or where that scripture is, but I know what God has done for me in my life. And that became a part of their expression. And, and that some of that, you know, passing that on without, okay, well, what did this come? I don't know. I can't explain it. You know, some they just couldn't explain. Some cases, they just didn't know how to explain it. 
They knew it, they felt it, and they experienced it, but they didn't know how to explain it. And then you start having, again, same thing, this gap. You know, okay, well, if you can't explain it to me, then how am I going to learn? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and that was hard to pass on. Back to you, T. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to jump in. No, you're fine. No, you're on the podcast. You're supposed to jump. Yeah, there definitely is a um, a gap. Um, I know, just speaking personally, like whenever I would ask, um, even just my mom, who's about to be 60, um, or even people older than her in the church, you know, you would go to them for, you know, wisdom, advice. Oh, just pray about it. I also, okay, well, I'm a believer, so I did pray about it, but like, but what else? Like, what, what can you tell me? Can you give me some type of language, dialogue, wisdom? No, just trust God, pray about it. So it's like, it creates, because there is a gap, it creates a frustration on our part as millennials, um, because we want to know, we want to understand. Um, I guess it's not... We can't just take it as, okay, pray about it. Okay, well, what can what can we do? Or can you explain it? Or like, we're, we're looking for something deeper and more. Um, and yes, I could also, you know, because we are millennials, we do live in a very fast um, technology era. Um, but also, I think that also just speaks to who we are as a generation, how we're, we don't just take things surface level. Uh, for the most part, I'm not speaking for everybody, but we don't just take <laughs> <laughs> We're looking for something deeper. You know, we, we see things, but we also, we want to know, we want to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it creates a tension. It creates a frustration on our part. Um, and of course, like what you said, Lawrence, you know, as you know, we get older and we do experience things, we do eventually, you know, you know come to, to some type of knowledge of what you guys were talking about, mm-hmm. but it's still a, like a disconnect, mm-hmm. um, I would say. Yeah. And then even to kind of like, like, and repetition, like yeah. the, the, just keep, if you just keep doing it, it'll hit you. Like, <laughs> it's like I just keep singing the song eventually. <laughs> something is, it's going to break. <laughs> and, and, but, it, but I think like, it's, it's crazy because, because I have gone through it and I've lived it and I'm, living longer in time i mean being able to experience those things that they found that they've been talking about as i'm reading the word more and as i'm just you know going to go pray like they told me to do you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna go i'm gonna try you know i'm gonna go pray <laughs> and you know and then growing in faith and i think that's that scripture we we're talking about like it builds patience, patience, experience, then hope, hope, faith, you know, and it's yeah. just, it, it, it's, it's, it's a part of the walk. Yeah. And so um, I think, although there is a gap, both are needed mm. yeah. because um, the, the next generation is the progressive push forward of what God is trying to do next. You know, granted, yeah. we don't have the same battles as they did. But there are new giants, you know, and new things that we have to, you know, take on. Mm-hmm. And also the wisdom that can be given uh, yeah. from the the previous generation. Um, I want to talk about, um, in this current comment, you know, Black preachers speaking out. And I feel like that's something that they've always done. Like, I just feel yeah. like Black preachers yeah. have always, you know, said things across the pulpit about the current plight and what we're going through and being black and how we got to act and how we got to do. And then, so I think um, looking at currently with white preachers, um, seeing three things, either their silence, their support, or their ignorance. (laughs) So um, I want to talk about this current recent video with um, Pastor Louis um, Gilo, Giglo, and Lecrae and then the CEO of um, Chick-fil-A Dan Cathy and there was this viral video about um, Pastor uh, Louie talking and saying you know hey you know and Lecrae just sitting there you know (laughs) on his head Uh, um, and Lecrae is known as a CHH rapper which is a um, Christian hip hop although he doesn't classify himself as a Christian hip hop rapper he classifies himself as a rapper who is a christian, christian. just yeah. want to classify that 
<laughs> you'll understand the dialogue for all those who don't get the gap or whatever. But uh, um, what was said in it was, and I feel like maybe when he was at home and he was writing his notes and he was like, oh, this is going to be, this is going to get him. This is going to get him. This word, right? When you, you know, sitting at home writing your pastoral notes. And basically it was just like, you know, he's like, we look at the cross and there was a, a curse attached to it, right? And we recognize the blessing that was through the cross. And then he was just like, there is, uh, there was the curse of slavery, but he's just like, we missed the blessing of slavery. And then I'm just like, <laughs> and then he's just like, you see Lecrae out of here and he's just like, all right. And then he's just like, he's like, white, like white people, he was like, white people, they don't like the term white privilege. Mm -hmm. So he was like, the best term to call it, to me, would be to call it white blessing. And I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> like, are you serious? <laughs> are you serious? <laughs> like, it's just like, you are so uncomfortable. Like, it, and I, I, there was this one poet that was just like, instead of saying, it, like, that didn't lead you to, like, uh, coming into the knowledge and the truth and the issues of slavery and race issues led you to come up to white blessing and not white repentance. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, it's kind of like to run smack dab into the issue and still miss it. Mm. <laughs> and I just, I, I feel like, you know, and I'm I'm gonna let y'all go. Uh, let, I'll, I'll say mine for later. But like, what are your thoughts on just like uh, on his words? And we all saw the clip, so let me. Um. <laughs> I know a moment of silence. Uh, why, 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 why are you thinking, T? Let me jump in. <laughs> <laughs> so, from. From let me defend the brother before I fight. No, no, no. <laughs> and the only only defense I can give is that that's through his white eyes, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, through his through his eyes that he see it and understand it that way. That's no different than me saying Black Lives Matter, and he can't see it through my lens because he's not black. Um, and no different than our current administration tell them to make America great again, you know, and great for who? You know, great for you, but not great for African Americans, not great for Latinos, not great for others. And so, again, sometimes we make comments from only from our own lens, and we don't stop and think for a moment, okay, let me put myself in your shoes. And so when I watch that, I like to first put myself in his shoes before I be judgmental or quick to judge why he said what he said. And by putting myself in his shoes, I see why he would say that out of ignorance. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, because, brother, you, you know, it didn't start again with slavery in the United States. Go back to the Bible days and God did not like it then. What makes you think God don't like it now? And so how can you take this and say it's a blessing? Yes, it's a blessing to you and your race only but it ain't a blessing to all of God's children. Exactly. You, you know, so from the lens, and so now listen to what you just said, you know, but, and then we can take whatever we just said, that's the thing with media, you know, is that we can take a spin. We can just only take one block. So I'm so glad that you allowed me to go back and watch the whole thing leading up to, because when I just saw White Blessing, if I just caught the last 10 seconds of it, you know, I've been so mad right now, I probably would have passed on this podcast. You know, but now I listened to the whole thing and it gave me an opportunity to put myself in his shoes just for a moment to see why would I say something like that and not think about who's across the table from me that I'm talking to and being considered about how this is going to be perceived to them in their eyes. And that sometimes I think we forget that. And as children of God, we carry a different mantle on us that we got to see it from not only our own point of view, not only our own culture, not only our own hurts, but also from the eyes of God. And, and so we're fighting against giants. 
And one of the giants we talked about is illiteracy, spiritual emptiness, you know, poverty, disease, justice. All these are the giants that we're fighting against. But then sometimes those giants work their way into us as individuals, no matter whether we're black or white, and we'll say things not considering our sisters and our brothers in Christ. Now, you're going to call me when your brother in Christ, then I think you might want to be a little more sensitive on when you say something that is this only from my white eyes or this only from my black eyes or is this from the eyes of God? And so uh, as controversy as it may be, you know, just for a moment, I wanted to kind of say, okay, well, why would he say that? But it still just baffled me that, you know, he would think that us being slaves, you know, has been a blessing to the white generation. <laughs> uh, that, that, uh, <laughs> really? <laughs> really? Come on, really? Dude, really? You know, ain't nothing godly about that. Right. <laughs> you know, that that's your white flesh speaking now. That's yeah. your white yeah. flesh. That's not the spirit man that's in you. That's your flesh man saying something like that. Yeah, and, and that's what we as the church, especially as men of God, we get judged about. And sometimes we get in our flesh and we speak from our fleshly hurt. As a black man, I am angry. I am mad. I am frustrated on the way we are being treated and have always been. Mm -hmm. But the spirit man in me said, I still got to love those crazy folks that treat me like a fool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's the part that is hard for us to get the unchurched and the ungodly to see, man, now, now, now you done went too far, preacher. I'll with you till you said that. And so what do we do as men and women of God, as children of God? It leaves us in a place that now preachers really don't know what to do. Because if I go out and speak with my father in heaven is telling me I may not be received well to my brother yes. that I have to live with every day. And some that go out there with the brothers that, are in this and being mistreated, then some of those in the church are judging them. And it goes back to Lawrence, you had said earlier, it is a demon. It is a demonic thing that has plagued and will continue to plague. And we got to rightly divide it and get into it. And we got to have more conversation like this, even talk about stuff that hurt, stuff that we may not necessarily agree with, but at least it'll leave us thinking that, hmm, that's a different way of looking at it. Yeah. I think also, too, some other things about the video, because I did watch it in its entirety so I could, you know, be able to just fully, you know, grasp what was everything that was going on. And I just, it bothers me to the fact of just not being able to, like, the word white privilege and, like, the ideology behind that bothered him so much so that he had to come up with some other factitious name for okay. it to be, to, for the weight to be, to feel like less. And I'm and ain't nobody trying to put a false burden on nobody because we've all been free and, I'm free in Jesus Christ. Yeah. But it's just like your failure to recognize the truth of the reality of the issue of exactly. like the ideology that you yourself have believed and walked in and have been mm -hmm. a partaker in and you need to acknowledge it. It's like saying, I'm not lying, I'm just telling kids. I'm not cheating on my wife. I'm just expanding my horizons. <laughs> you know, like you know, we need to, be, we see, we need to see the blessing of women. You know, I'm just like you know, <laughs> and um, it's just like I think Lecrae, looking at the whole interview, even though he made a statement and apology and talked about, it, I think he handled it well mm -hmm. because I think as a black man mm -hmm. who um, who is part of a reform movement, high levels of high thinkers and theology and different things like that. He is in a lot of white spaces as a CHH artist, right? And so he has to he has to deal with this on a daily basis. And so I believe he was he addressed the whole thing about white privilege. And he's like, if you see it as a white blessing, like, and you could tell by his his conversation and the way he was talking, right. like he um. He understood, but it's just like, at this point, at this moment, I can't turn up mm -hmm. because it does not benefit me to turn up 
as would if it probably would have been if it was a black activist on the street would have stopped the whole would have stopped the whole thing immediately and got him all the way together right and then even dan kathy he even did something that i don't think it got as popular but he you know starts crying you know we got to hurt you know and white people just start crying it just i just be like <laughs> and so then he tells this and it's just like everything it felt like everything that lecrae said they would revert and go into somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, there's one point where Dan Cathy goes and wipes his shoes because he tells a story about a, a young black man, I believe that was a Christian who was talking about repentance and he went and go wipe somebody else's shoes. Right. And it's just like, it's no different when we were sharing that viral video of that one uh, white pastor washing the black man's feet. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't need, like, that cultural reference for that time and for that people meant something. But I need you to dust the 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 dust the dust of oppression off my mind you know you know extend i need you to wash the dust of the issues by sharing something on instagram or sharing a post or donating or getting educated or reading a book that's how you can wash my feet you know and i just i feel like um in that way and then at the end of the video talking about the gospel and talking about repentance and talking about forgiveness and i'm just like you can recognize the level of that we are sinful nature and how we have to repent towards God Mm -hmm. and that level of understanding. But now with your brother, who you see every day, you can't recognize Mm -hmm. the same level of the same level of uh, repentance and forgiveness that is required on that level. Mm -hmm. And I just, I can't deal with the the, the hypocrisy. It's not a one-time action. You know, it's a, it's a continuation, just like, you know, what we're fighting for justice. It's not a one time, okay, you adjusted one law, you know, to be able to look into the background of policemen. But what about the other, you know, thousands of laws that's in the book that still needs to be corrected? And so to really show me that you love me and you care and you're going to treat me fairly, then we will go after all those things. We will spend time to, to, to legislate everything, not just one thing and say, okay, well, well we did this. Now y'all can shut your mouth up. And then that's kind of way, well, I did this clip. I've come out, you know, publicly and said we were wrong. Okay. But it's not just a one-time thing. Just like uh, now on our side as African-American, it ain't going to get fixed overnight. You know, it didn't get fixed with, my grandparents, when they marched, it didn't get fixed with my parents when they marched. It didn't get fixed when I marched. It ain't getting fixed while you marching. You know, but every time it gets better and better. And then, the, but the patience of waiting, you know, and, and the long time of waiting sometimes is what we, we, we don't have time for. I don't have time to wait. I want to fix it. I want to fix now. You know, that microwave stuff. By the Lord's grace, <laughs> it may not come where you want them, buddy, right on time. <laughs> Hello, kings and queens. The pod was getting a little lengthy, so I hope you tune in next week for the rest of the discussion. I hope you have enjoyed what you've heard so far. Don't forget to share to keep the conversation going. See you next week. I'll save you a seat.